All right, good afternoon, Cape Cod and the Islands. Welcome back to episode 69 of the Cape Cod Sportscast. I'm your host, Wesley Sykes, and we've got an A-list guest lined up for you today. Uh, First-year commissioner of the Cape Cod Baseball League, Eric Zamuda. Eric, you're, you're, you're a tough guy to get in the room here. You're a very busy guy, so I'm happy you were able to take the time out to do this uh, phone call with us here today. Happy to join you. Appreciate you taking the time to have me. Oh, this is great stuff. And as you might be able to tell from the background, you're you're on scene right now. Uh, we're at the Bourne Braves game. Is that right? Yeah, it's the last game of the regular season for the Bourne Braves. I'll stay here for a little bit and head on over to Wareham and watch their last game versus Falmouth and then roll right into our playoffs tomorrow evening. Yeah, it's uh, it's I, I love getting you on here at this point in time because it's really such a, uh, a great time of the year for the Cape League with the end of the regular season, the beginning of the playoffs. But um, as I mentioned, as I was kind of introducing you, uh, first year Cape League manager, so you're almost got a full season under your belt here. You know what? What's the uh, how's the new gig going for you? Going very well. It's great support from the entire league, all the franchises. It's been a learning curve coming from the general manager side down in Falmouth, but uh, as everybody keeps asking me, you know, how is it? It's more of a shift of responsibilities. It's not anything that's easier or or much harder, thank goodness. But it's just a lot of different things to get used to. Sure, and obviously you're no, uh, you know, you know, no stranger to the Cape League. You mentioned uh, being the, the Falmouth uh, GM for a couple of years. I believe you're a host family, and even were, were you on um, uh, some board for the Falmouth Commodores, or, or what? What was your um, uh, involvement with the Cape League leading up to this? Well, yeah, the quick history. I came back uh, from work late one evening uh, in the winter of '09, beginning of 2010. My wife said, "Hey, we're going to finish the basement." I'm like, "Wonderful, we could do something down there." So, guess yeah, we're going to house players next summer. All right. So we started as a host family back in 2010, and uh, this is our 10th year doing it now. We're still host family uh, this summer as well. And uh, started to go to all the games instead of just every once in a while and support the players that we had and got involved back in 2012 with the board of directors, became assistant GM for a year, and then general manager uh, from 2013 to the end of 2018. And uh, did you get have any uh, any guys make it to the pros uh, that you hosted? Or, or yeah, I know it's a little uh, well, early, 2009. It's a little early, but we had uh, one of our first players was Kevin Crone. He uh, was out sure. of TCU, great kid, and uh, he recently made his major league debut with the Diamondbacks this season. Uh, I'm I'm familiar with the name. I think most people who uh, participate in fantasy baseball in some sort uh, it's got to recognize that name by some uh, sort of fashion there. Well, some sort of uh, fashion. His brother CJ has also been in the major leagues for a while, so a nice lineage. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. It's strong bloodlines. Oh, yeah, and his dad's actually uh, the coach uh, for the AAA affiliate for the Diamondbacks, so definitely in their family. Uh, now, so moving on from the GM position, um, you know, doing a little bit of reading on you, you were voted unanimously to be the next commissioner, obviously with some big shoes to fill, uh, filling in for Paul Gay a number of years, but – uh, what did that mean to you to kind of have the support of the entire uh, Cape League and in, in, uh, in, in your new role? Well, it's great to have the support. Uh, when you start off as the uh, assistant GM, you don't have to go to these league meetings, but I started to go with the GM at the time for Falmouth and was able to start rubbing elbows with everybody else in the other franchises, get familiar with them, get to learn uh, their thoughts and ideas and you know move along and get more comfortable. So 2013, as a GM, you are one of the executive members on the league board as well. So it's just another way to get familiar with everybody and keep going through that. And as we've gotten more used to each other, I 
I love working with everybody, and it's just kind of morphed into this uh, the past couple of years. Uh, two years ago, almost two years ago now, Paul approached me and said he was planning on retiring after his first year of his upcoming three-year term, and he had talked to a few of the different other people on the board and thought it was a good idea maybe if the board would kind of give a vote of confidence that I'd shadow him for that last summer of 2018. Mm-hmm. Worked out very well as uh, the last year's GM, we had someone in place for the Falma side as well and just was able to bring that right into the off season beginning of 2019. And they made it official with a unanimous vote in January. Very, uh, very humbling to have that unanimous vote. There's always somebody that wants to think differently, but everybody does think the same way that they just want what's best for the league and what's best for our players. So now, now for those who may not know, you know, and I think this might included in here um what what's kind of the the duties of the commissioner you know when i think of a, a sports league commissioner i think of roger goodell you know i think of who is it the guy in the uh, the nba right now that i'm, that I'm blanking on but yeah you know, they come to mind and i kind of get a, an image of a ruling with an iron fist type of thing but you don't really strike me as that type of person so you know what what's your day-to-day um job like well, the commission responsibilities having to do with pretty much anything on that side of the white line, anything that has to do with what's going on the field. So rules, regulations, discipline, if necessary, uh, handbook that gets put up every year that we have to put forth that involves pregame procedures, uh, what we have for bus schedules, procurement of different materials for all the teams. If we all have an idea of what we might need league wide uh, initiatives that we can talk about for future seasons. And then once you're in season, it's just a matter of, following through making sure everybody's doing what they uh, should be doing it's baseball it's a fun game i just want to make sure everybody's doing it doing well and having a great time with it now in your first year here you know what would have been some uh, some high points for you uh some low points to the to this point of your, your well what i should have done is bought stock and umbrellas sometime back in may <laughs> right. uh, yeah, because we both. had a, a very harsh month of june and that involved many delays and cancellations of our schedule and backed everybody up. But as it is, you have to play the 44-game schedule. Some people aren't so excited about that, especially when you have to play so many games in a row with no off days when you get to the end of July. But everybody's uh, has been a great troop, soldiered through. We're at the last day of the season. Got a lot of teams excited about making the playoffs. And it's just like every year, whether you have these many off days that you hope you have or if you have to play them all at once, it's a a very tight race for both the East and West divisions. The East division actually still does come down tonight as it pertains to points. Chatham won last night, so they are the first seed throughout the playoffs from the East side. But if Orleans wins tonight versus Chatham again, they're actually co-champions because they'll have tied points-wise for the regular season. So even the last game of the season means something to a lot of people. Yeah, and I, I look over to the West Division side where uh, that happens to be our area of coverage with Bourne, Katuit, and Falmouth kind of falling in our range here. And obviously you had a, a bit of a down year with Hyannis. Uh, I think they finished the year with nine wins. But you know, do, do you see that kind of helping at all with that late stretch, so many games and so many days, at least maybe from that West Division point of view where it looked like coming into the final week, everything was kind of slated in where they were going to be. So maybe they could kind of rest some guys or uh, do whatever they had to do. Certainly. I think that helps and hurts. And the helps portion is you can kind of start to plan, rest a few people here and there, get prepped. You still have to use uh, more arms than you hopefully intend to. So one of the things we, we were able to do 
for the regular season and as an emergency situation was, and for the past week that started this past Friday night, was just to eliminate extra innings for the rest of the regular season. Some effort that we have to do to try to keep these players comfortable, safe, rested when possible. Right now we have, when it's a nine-inning game, a maximum of ten innings anyway, but to get rid of that possibility, it gives the managers of each team that planning Mm -hmm. uh, forethought so they don't have to worry about an extra inning. They know they're only going to play nine innings and we're done. Same thing if we had the doubleheaders. We had to put some games back-to-back, some in the same venue, some in different venues. So we decided whether it was the same or different venue, if you were playing two games in that one day, it was a seven inning. So instead of a seven inning, nine inning cap, it was just seven innings and done for the day. That resulted in a couple of extra ties possibly, but it has resulted again in a good thing, giving those managers that cushion to know what's going to be happening the next few days with their pitchers, not have to worry about that possibility of extras. And it's helped them line it up for some of the playoffs coming up here. And I think so. It, will that hold true through the playoffs as well, or, no. or will you? Uh, well, I guess you got to have uh, some sort of a winner, right? That was no a, the, a playoff, the playoffs. Will, no, the play. <laughs> no, the playoffs will go back to you know, quote unquote normal. It will be yeah. actually no uh, extra inning cap at all when you're in the playoffs. And in addition, in the regular season, if you have a game that doesn't make it to five innings, it's a canceled game and you have to restart it. But in the playoffs, as with last year when it was Chatham versus Wareham for the uh, championship games. They actually had a fog out, and they continued that game the next day. That's right. So yep. in the playoffs, yeah, you continue the game. It's not suspended or canceled and start over again because you've got to get these playoffs done at a certain time, not just for the excitement of the fans, but these players got to get back to their colleges. They have other stuff to do, too, as much as they're excited to be here. Yeah, and, you know, you, you kind of touched on my next question there as in regards to uh, the inning. Um, that relationship that teams have with certain colleges. And I know that, that, you know, certain schools tend to send certain players or certain teams. Um, you know, how important is that to kind of keep that relationship strong so you can continue to get the best of the best from the collegiate ranks? That's extremely important. It's something that everybody's constantly thinking about because you want to have the elite players here because it brings the elite scouts that will be looking for these players for the next level. And it's, a, and it's in a nice circle that way. The scouts will come so the players want to be here as well but we have to accommodate what we know is a changing environment. These pitchers pitch more than maybe that they are used to coming up nowadays, or they pitch more than what they thought they might have been doing from the beginning of the spring to the end of their spring season. So now they're already at a higher limit than they thought they were going to be. It just happens for them sometimes. So therefore that brings us to the summer innings limits and the last minute expected caps will even be smaller sometimes. So to accommodate that, we have to continue thinking about what we can do to help them stay relevant for the summer for their future as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think as the regular season wraps up, I kind of look throughout and there's a few tent pole events uh, in the regular, the, uh, the scout day up at Fenway park. Uh, of course, the, the Cape league all-star game, which I believe it was what uh, in Harwich this year. And then recently there was the addition of the, uh, the Hartford Yard Goats uh, Dunkin' Donuts game, where I think it was Yarmouth, Dennis, and Wareham this past year. Uh, yeah, Wareham has looked to do a couple of different things the past couple of years. Another thing that Wareham did at the beginning of June, one of their first games, was also versus YD. They played up at BC High. That opportunity right. was given to them, and they took advantage of that. And it was great to have some extra eyes on the Cape League over the bridge beyond even Wareham and get them out there to see what we're about. As much as the Cape League is known nationwide, sometimes when you think locally, not a lot of people see and are as familiar with it as we want them to be. 
Yeah, and that was kind of my question because I think of what makes the Cape League so great is the close proximity. It's not the NECBL or the Northwoods Leagues where you're traveling state to state for every game or however long their season is. You can kind of go up and down Route 6 or Route 28 and catch a couple games, especially if you're a, you know, a scout. You can go see a couple different teams and go knock off a bunch of players off your list. So, you know, just to reiterate, what, what do you think, uh, you know, some of the advantages of our, that, uh, that Hartford Yard Goats game? Well, the geography of the Cape League is unique and special, and that certainly draws players because they know they can uh, not have to worry about being on a six-hour bus ride to get back from a game and then get on the bus for another four hours and go to a game the next day. The longest ride is about an hour. Uh, and the scouts are the same way. They can hit an afternoon game at Katua between 4 and 5 o'clock and then work them way over to the west and hit a game in Orleans or Chatham that starts at 7. It's just a, a special thing. But you want to get some of that extra eyes on everybody and work their way through to different venues and get people interested and come down and see us as well. Once they see us somewhere in Hartford, they see us somewhere in Boston, it might get them more incentive to come down to the Cape and enjoy themselves here where that geography is so close to be able to see more than just one game. Yeah, and I think uh, another thing that uh, I find to be kind of a staple uh, of the Cape League is you get an infusion of local players, whether it's uh, you know natives of the area or the South Coast, south of Boston, even just Massachusetts in general, or coming from the colleges. And I think that's kind of what makes it a special uh, league. Of course, you're bringing in the best of the best, but you also kind of get – uh, a little bit of name recognition, maybe local name recognition there. Uh, do, it's do you one, find it's, is, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, is, is there a concerted effort to get more local, local players in there to draw interest? Like I think of Cody Pasick from uh, Katua, who's a Katua native, and uh, Will Toffee from a couple, couple of years ago out in YD was a Barnstable native. And I, I think that kind of just brings a general excitement to maybe someone who isn't your typical average baseball fan. <laughs> And that's a great thing to have that local connection. And I know a lot of the coaches and general managers are trying to look for that. Uh, it has more to do still with the beginning of the season when 10 players are needed more and more to fill the rosters as some of our D1 nationwide guys are working their way through the college national finals and the college world series in Omaha. So they have that opportunity to not only play with a team that maybe they've watched growing up, but to make a name for themselves, make a showcase, and possibly have a chance to stick with the roster through the whole summer. Yeah, and I think that's you know, the beauty of those temp players, right? You, you kind of make the most of your time, uh, and then maybe you can impress uh, you know, your, your teammates, some scouts, some coaches, and be able to stick around uh, for the whole summer. I mean, there's how many, you know, I, I can't think of how many temp players were here you know, on a short-term basis and ended up earning an all-star game appearance or helping their team, you know, lift the, uh, the Mycock trophy out, out in uh, August. Well, I'll give you two quick stories. You have uh, Holy Cross, which is a nice local college. You have Austin Maisel, who's an outfielder for the Commodores. Last year he came as a temp, did well, and he was released after a couple of weeks just because there wasn't space to keep him and have him, you know, showcase some more. He came back to the Commodores this year as a temp player, worked his way onto the permanent roster, and he's just had a great show. He's, uh, you, see, you can see the improvement on him, both on and off the field. He was a great kid last year. He's a fantastic kid and player this year. Another quick story is a Bentley player, uh, Bentley Falcon. Max Toriani uh, plays for the Orleans mm-hmm. Firebirds. He has a finance internship all set up for the summer. He got the opportunity to come down to Orleans for two weeks on a temp contract. He left at the opportunity. He thought it would be two weeks and go back to his finance internship. Not only did he work his way to the final roster, but he worked his way onto the all-star roster as well. Great kid, another great story. 
Yeah, I believe Trioni there, if he uh, has a strong outing, like a four for four or five for five day at the plate, he could take home the uh, the batting title, I think, if I saw that correctly. Yeah, I'm talking about playing down to the last game again. And a lot of these individual right. awards and some of these team awards do come down to the last game of the regular season. So that's one story. You have Zach DeLoach from Texas A&M. He's a great kid as well, working mm-hmm. for the Falmouth Commodores. He's currently in the lead as we enter the last game of the season. Troiani has to play tonight as well. Uh, I did the math a little bit. Two for three might actually do it for him. No kidding. It's that close. Yeah. So we'll have to see tonight, and we'll put it in the paper as soon as you get that done for us. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. And, and just to circle back to those 10 players, because now it kind of came to mind here, I think of a, uh, a, a local kid who got an opportunity, uh, Noah Holland from Anna Maria College, small Division three school. Uh, I got to see him uh, on the post-188 American Legion baseball team. The kid does nothing but rake. Uh, but I think there was an emergency uh, basis with the uh, the new GM, uh, Chris Fitzgerald, uh, needing someone on an emergency basis. And he looked down no further to the former uh, team that he used to general manage in the post-188 uh, American Legion team and, and pulls out Noah Holland, a sandwich native, to kind of come on and, and be able to at least wear the uniform, be in the team, be in the dugout. I don't think he played necessarily, but to be able to get that experience for someone who – yeah, he's a good kid and works hard and, and, and is really good at the game of baseball. I mean, that's got to be a thrill of a lifetime. I think that's a fantastic thrill, and it's good to have that local connection. Chris Fitzgerald has worked his way through the Cape League as a little kid. He right. uh, has a great tie with the Katua Cataliers. He went to Falmouth Commodore's clinics as a kid. Uh, he watched this, has watched the games all of his life. He stayed involved with baseball as he got older. Uh, so he got involved with post-198, became the general manager, and I believe he was the third base coach as well at the same time. And right. made a lot of those local connections and maintains them still. So to have that possibility to bring Noah in on an emergency basis, that's just yet another local connection that's wonderful. Another one that they had in Falmouth was uh, Sean Harrington. He, was mm-hmm. a Bab- he is rather a Babson player, came in as a catcher on a temp contract, and as it happens, uh, Temp uh, had to be released at a certain point because I know the catcher's coming in. But as you can see from any raw, uh, the transaction at the end of the season, Sean has been brought back to the Cape and signed on by Harwich to continue and play into the playoffs. So yet another opportunity for another kid that plays either locally or for a local college. Yeah, and I think, and again, just, just it always kind of fascinated me with the, the, the whole idea of the temporary player because – Again, I'm not sure how much is expected of you at that point. You know, maybe you're looking to fill a roster spot or you're a placeholder until, like you said, someone from the College World Series comes down. But another guy, John Tian, I believe is his name from Mass Maritime, was just signed by Harwich, I believe is a Boston native. Uh, Harwich obviously has been a a tremendous pitching team. Typically, uh, overall, as a franchise over the years, has been a good pitching team. But he comes out and throws five scoreless innings in his first start. And just to kind of bolster that playoff lineup ahead of the postseason, um, you know, it can be a nice surprise. And that's something that I think the Cape League is about, is just give people the opportunity to showcase themselves and just look forward to playing a great game of baseball before it has to become a job for them. The Cape League is their last chance to come down here, showcase, do very well, and just simply enjoy the game of baseball. Yeah, and it, you touched on this a little bit earlier in our conversation, but we've had you know week-long rainouts back in June, uh, you know some power outages, some some tornadoes, believe it or not, on the Cape. Um, but I'm happy to keep going with you. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And he said, uh, you know, and I know when we previously talked uh, back in June, uh, you know, there was uh, some contingency plans in place 
for uh, maybe shortening the season or making some drastic movements. You know, just just how close were we to having you know something drastic happen? Should um, you know a rainstorm or something else have continued to prolong the regular season? Well, I hate the R word, but I have to say rain sometimes, especially since you have me recorded. I believe <laughs> rain is far, far away in the forecast. We're looking forward to some sunny days here. But if we do have one at this point, it would just postpone the games for the playoffs for a day. It still will be mm-hmm. played in full. We're looking forward to getting it done uh, very soon here in the next you know, week and a half. We'll be all done just like that. It, it seems crazy. You work so hard to get the season going. You're in the thick of it. It just seems like it's just started, and all of a sudden the end is so close. Well, and as we're kind of wrapping up here, what's uh, what's one thing you'd like to see the Cape League do under your uh, under your watch? Here? Now, I'm not sure how much uh, involvement you would have in this, but I always love the idea of expansion. Um, you know, that's something I always like to see. You know, and getting some of the other Cape towns represented. Um, I know Sandwich is kind of on, along that border between uh, Bourne, and you got Katuit there, and Mashpee do- doesn't have a team. You know, is that ever talked about? And, and what's the feasibility of that, if any? Well, you have to see uh, interest for each town. I think we're very happy with the 10 teams uh, from my perspective. If the expansion idea ever comes up, I know it had come up, I guess, prior to my involvement with the Commodores back in 2010. I think it's the last time it was discussed, so that's been over a decade now. And if it comes up, it's it's more to the executive board level. It's a discussion that should be had in the offseason. And if the interest is there, I'm sure they'll be discussing it in earnest. But I think where we are now with the 10 teams is a great mix of teams and staffs and organizations. And we're just very happy with what we have at the moment. And if something else comes up in the future, it's certainly at least worth a discussion. No uh, automated umpires or uh, official reviews or anything like that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'd have to have a large influx of cash and interest for any of the changes like that. We are not quite the breeding ground as we just have that simple game of baseball on high school fields throughout the Cape. Yeah, if this is a, a shout out to any of the donors on Cape Cod who would like to uh, put out any of that money. No, I, I think the umpires do a great job. That's not a. They, sometimes they get, are too easy to poke fun at. You know, but well, I, thought, I think always, I, they do a yeah, great job. That's always the the simple thing that everybody talks about. Come on, Blue! But uh, yeah. we have a fantastic <laughs> organization that assigns the umpires for the Cape League. They've had a long relationship with the Cape League and will so for quite a while. The uh, CBUAO brings some quality guys in here and continues to try to find quality guys throughout the whole region to keep us stocked and uh, well-behaved. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. We need someone to, to keep all these college kids in line. right? Absolutely. And, uh, and, and the longtime managers. Right. Yeah. Oh, I um, love these guys. These managers know the Cape like the back of their hand, and they just love coming down here and, and just being a nice coach for the summer of the Cape League. It's a wonderful thing to watch them enjoy themselves, too. You know, and I, I love it because it's like, a, you know, an old fraternity. I love it. All these guys know each other. They may go their separate ways throughout the course of the year, but from every time between June and August, they seem to come back together. And uh, it's, you know, the relationships over the years with some of these guys, 10, 15, 20 years. So I think there's a lot of nice continuity with that. Yeah, and you get to see some of the accolades that they will so well deserve over the years. Uh, last year at the ABCA convention, down in Dallas, Texas, Scott Pickler was inducted into their Hall of Fame. Right. Uh, Coach Harvey Shapiro was just uh, inducted into the main baseball Hall of Fame this summer. So it's nice to see, and wonderful rather, to see the recognition that they get. We'll have uh, Scott Pickler as well will be inducted into the Cape Cod Baseball League Hall of Fame this coming offseason. 
All right. Yes, that, that was going to be my next question. So who remind me again? Who was on the list of inductees well, for this? There's some year. I'm going to forget, but some of the uh, local uh, ones that are being inducted is Scott Pickler, of course, but also mm-hmm. Commissioner Emeritus Paul Gallup will be inducted into the Hall of Fame this offseason too. Those are two worthy choices, if you ask me. I think they were just about unanimous, if not yeah. all unanimous. Absolutely. Okay. And one last question before I get you out of here. I know you got a busy schedule here. Uh, who do you like in the playoffs? I know, you know, I know you have a fan with background. I, I'm assuming that makes you uh, not any more biased than the rest of us, but uh, you know, who, who do you like in the playoffs? Well, there's an even field It's whoever becomes the hottest at that time. And you know, there's a couple that you think will have a great shot at it. I would love to see uh, Jeff Trony win a championship. If you ask anybody in the Cape league, they'll say he deserves it. And it would be nice to kind of see them hoist that trophy as well. I think you have some quality organizations that are making the playoffs. Bourne is one of them. I'm watching them tonight. Wareham's another one that's going to make it. And then you have uh, Katuit as well. That's just the West. You have the four teams in the East. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be a slugfest and, and fun to watch. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. Unless you have any questions for me. Uh, you know, I'm always open to that as well. How long have you been following the Cape League, Wes? That's a good question. You know, I grew up in Bourne, so I grew up going to uh, Bourne Braves games over at Cody Field across from uh, the Bourne High School there. So I, I, I went to clinics over at the Cassett Field. I, I even interned with the Yarmouth Dennis Red Sox in 2015, I believe it was. Uh, that was their second of back-to-back titles. Very familiar with Scott Pickler. And then, so God, it's, it's, so I've been covering the Cape League, it feels like five, coming on my fifth year right now, but... Yeah, you grow up with it. You come away, you go away to school, you come back. It's always a nice, free, uh, cheap evening, you know, a uh, great way to kind of uh, take in some baseball. And uh, what, what I always seem to write in the, uh, uh, my, my previews for the Cape League in the upcoming season, it's, it's just baseball how it ought to be. It's no frills. It's no gimmicks. It's just bre- grab a lawn chair, bring your dog. Maybe you buy a hot dog or a 50-50 raffle ticket, and you just kind of soak up the scenery. That's, those are uh, – you know, what, what I really love about the Cape League. That is the uniqueness of the Cape League, West. That's well said and very eloquent, actually. I think that's uh, something that you should put on a T-shirt and maybe get the Cape League to sell at some of their parks. But in addition, if you ask, if you ask me like a that. question to ask you, I would ask you to just get the word out to everybody how much they need help and volunteers for the Cape League. You know it's an all-volunteer organization for all 10 yes. teams and at the league level. Another thing that all of these teams will always need, I ask you to ask everybody to not only volunteer for the organization, but to see if they want to be a host family. As I said, we started back in 2010, and mm-hmm. uh, it's just been an incredible experience for us. These kids that come stay in your, your house for the summer become your family, and you stay in touch with them. As my wife would put it, we've now been to some weddings. Uh, we have some host grandbabies. It's just fantastic the, the connection you make with them for a lifetime. So if you have that opportunity to even think about talking to somebody about being a host family, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, and I think of you know friends, other family members who have hosted uh, you know Cape League players is that whenever they get the call up to the big or they happen to be coming to Fenway Park for Red Sox games, you know that connection was always there. There was always tickets in the mail form or at will calls and sending it up there and. You know, I often deal with high school athletes and I do this feature story, uh, kind of an interview type story with uh, uh, high school athletes called Out- Outside the Lines. And one of my questions is, uh, who was on your Mount Rushmore of role models? And this one particular kid who hosted uh, Born Braves players had put Travis Shaw on there. And I didn't know ahead of time that he was a, his family had hosted uh, 
players. And I thought, oh, that's a kind of uh, have as your role models until I asked about it. And they, they still keep in touch. Yeah, it was well after, even well after he had left Boston and gone to Milwaukee, they still keep in touch and they, and they still always conversate with one another. So I think you're absolutely right. I think the bond that's formed there and, you know, an eight week stretch of time is something that, uh, that re- really stands the test of time. That's again, well said. So I appreciate you helping us out in any way you can that way, Wes, and we'll call it an evening. Enjoy the Wareham Gateman game and enjoy the playoffs. Thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. You guys have a good night. Take care. All right. I'll see ya. How's uh, how you feeling this year? As far as what, like, you know? just uh, overall, you know, health wise, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's the confidence wise? Feel good, man. Uh, another good day out here at practice. Uh, another opportunity to compete. So it's looking to build. What's it like being a part of this? I feel like this linebacker core is pretty deep this year. A lot of good veterans. You know, what, what do you take away from learning from them? Uh, you know, in your second year. I mean, we're all good players. So uh, we got a lot of guys with a lot of experience. Uh, not only the linebackers, all around the field, defense, offense. So we're looking uh, every opportunity you get. Try to pick those guys' brains. You learn a little bit, bits and pieces from different guys. Try to implement it into your game. Is there anyone that you kind of uh, kind of taken under your wing specifically, or you know, kind of been a, maybe like a mentor, for lack of a better term, for you? You know, all our older, all our older guys do a good job of uh, bringing bringing other guys along and vice versa. So we, we all look to pick each other's brains all together. So um, we're really good at that. I think the defense is kind of getting a, a depth all around, like, like you just kind of mentioned. I think this could shaping up at least early on paper to be one of the better defenses, uh, you know, before the season starts, obviously. But just how good do you think, as a unit, that that whole defense can be? Uh, we'll let y'all do all that, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, we just want to come out here, we're going to go ahead and just continue to work hard, continue to compete, continue to get better. Coming off last year, I feel like you had a really great, uh, you know, not spring training, but training camp preseason, first couple of games of the year. Uh, you know, what was that mindset coming off that injury when you get on IR, and then how do you kind of work your way back into, uh, maybe from a mental standpoint, back to where you are now? I mean, in any case, you got a nice little break before you get back into football. So, um, obviously, when you're not on the field, you're looking to get back, find a new role on the team, all those kind of things. So, everybody getting back, we got new new players, uh, new coaches, everybody looking to just build, find a role, whether it's a coach or a player. We all looking for to find our niche and things like that. So, we are just looking to build. And is there any positives that you take away? Obviously, like you, you want to be on the field, you want to, want to be helping out. But from that injury and that time off, is there any positives you take out of that? Um, well, I mean, you, obviously you want to be on the field with your guys. So, like, you'll find a role, you found that role to get on the field, and then you just find a different role once you're off, whether it's observing, whether it's uh, continue to help your guys in any way that you can, you just want to find it. You got any predictions on Purdue this year? <laughs> uh, no predictions, but I know my guys are handling business. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I appreciate it. Best of luck this year. Thank you. Training camp going for you. Long way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, do, do you take anything away from last year, uh, kind of red shirt, kind of having a red shirt year? Do you think that, that helped you at all, or do you gain any uh, advantages from that, positives? I, mean, I wouldn't say advantages, but, I mean, definitely being around the offense and everybody from a year, um, you know, you, you know everybody a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely part of the team. And, uh, 
yeah, I mean, you know, you, you learn so much of being around all this year, whether it's offense or, you know, just how things go, sure. the camaraderie, I mean, all of that, yeah. And I, I just ask because I think it's, it can be kind of a whirlwind jumping in from college and obviously come up to a, such a, you know, an organization like the Patriots, like everything kind of just be thrown at you. So maybe, maybe it slows down a little bit. Maybe you get into the playbook or just get acclimated to your surroundings yeah, a little you know, bit. I, yeah. yeah, obviously all of that. You, yeah. know, you, you, you spend a whole a whole year around the place, around the system, you mm-hmm. know, in the locker room doing things, the way that they do things, um, you know, daily schedules, et cetera, et cetera. You yeah. know? So you do. You, you, uh, you get a little experience out of that. And what, what's the mindset coming in from year one to year two? Obviously, I feel like this is a little bit of a tired cliche, but that's usually what a lot of people say is a big jump for, for most players. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, there's a sense of urgency. Yeah. Um, I, I know, uh, you know, I, I got to prove that, you know, I can I can be productive on this team. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's, that's that's what we're all here to do. We're all here to uh, to make this team and to make this team better and to prove that we can be an asset to this team. So there's definitely a sense of urgency. You know, it's, it's, it's August now already, and, mm-hmm. you know, the days are going to go. They're going to go. Preseason games are going to come. They're going to go. And, you know, you, you got to make sure at the end of the month, you know, you you, you, know, you, you get what you earn, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's all, that, all there is. And you know, I think with this team, but with most teams especially, I think uh, uh, versatility is a big thing. I saw you kind of taking some extra time with the punt team down here. You got some first team reps with the punt, uh, punt team earlier. How important is that to maybe uh, carve out a role on special teams and then be able to work your way into the offense or, or however that, that plays out? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, the more you can do, the better. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that goes across the board. So, absolutely. You know, I'm here to try to do anything that they allow me to do. You know, any that they give me to swing, I'm going to swing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just, again, I got, I got to do whatever I'm doing. I got to do it at a high level. And obviously, yeah, I don't think you, you ever root for injuries or anything, but with uh, Julian Edelman sidelined right now, I think this creates, at least from my perspective, a little bit of a door to kind of get a little bit more reps and a little bit more first-team uh, opportunities for yourself. Uh, do, do you see that as a, you know, you said a sense of urgency. Do you think that's kind of a, a way that you can uh, you know, make, make a name for yourself? I mean, I... I, I... That, that was one of the first things I said about sense of urgency, you know? yeah. and, and that's regardless. Like I said, you know, it's you only got you know six weeks or so to, yeah. to, to make a point and to prove that you can be an asset to this team. So, you know, whatever I'm asked to do, I, I'm, I'm just trying to go out there and do it and do it at a high level. Let's switch gears. What did you see from uh, Jared Stidman, uh, Stidham, uh, this so far this year? I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that last name right, but. <laughs> Stidham. Stidham. Um, you know, he, he, he's a good competitor, and yeah. you know, he's, he's obviously, you know, coming along. He's, he's trying to learn the playbook as well as the two in front of him, and, yeah. you know, that, that's it. You know, he's, he's a hard worker. You excited for Detroit, kind of actually get, uh, get the pads on and, and actually play some real football? Very, very. You know, it's, it's, it's been a while. You yeah. know, it's, it's been a while. Um, since since last year, first preseason game. So, no, I'm 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 very excited to get up there, practice with them for a few days, and then uh, and then really play football again. That's uh, I'm excited. Hey, you have uh, an idea of what the emotions will be coming through when you when you get on that field again? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've uh, you know I've never been hurt for an entire year. You know, I never had to watch football for an entire year before. Um, so it's. Uh, it's a, you know last year was was a new thing for me and luckily I found ways to be productive with the help of you know really everybody in the building they they were huge in that aspect but uh, yeah it's 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 I'm excited I mean I really I don't I don't know what exactly I'll feel you know hopefully I'll feel right at home again um, but uh, but yeah I'm I'm thrilled to be back in football all right that does it for me. I-